Hi, I'm Jordan Laurel, and welcome to my show where we make the human experience magical through mental health, mindset, and manifestation. My story is one of radical transformation and rebirth. From depressed, disempowered, and dependent to flourishing within an incredible life I've created, this podcast is me sharing my process of overcoming and creating a magical human experience to help support you as you do the same. Tune in every Monday to feel empowered through stories, wisdom, and lots of super practical tips. Because I am proof, you can change your entire life and manifest a life beyond your wildest dreams. Welcome to the Magical Human Experience Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, friends, and bonjour from Paris. I'm still here. I have a few more days left and I'm just soaking it all in, having literally the most amazing time. Where to even start? Uh, Jeff and I have had such a good time connecting the way we haven't in a while. It's been really great for us in our relationship, eating so much good food and also not having to worry about gaining weight in Europe because there's less chemicals and you're walking more. So amazing. And... Well, okay, the highlight of the trip, we came here, if you didn't know, for a Joe Dispenza retreat, and wow, I have a lot more processing to do. I'm very excited to do a podcast and just share a lot of my takeaways and learnings and shifts with you guys to help you create a more magical human experience too, but this definitely helped me create one. I felt a lot of shifts inside of myself, and my meditation practice got a wild upgrade. I was, yeah, I had done one of Joe's meditations. It was a short one that was on YouTube uh, in November. And I, I did notice, like I've always noticed when I've been committed to my meditation practice that I am much more grounded and centered and less anxious, able to operate as my higher level self more. But his meditations this weekend, uh, wild next level I had so many huge like breakthroughs with meditation on this retreat so really excited to share more with you guys but in the meantime this week's magic is breaking the habit of being yourself which is one of Joe's books because he really gets into how to change hence the title breaking the habit of being yourself and if you understand anything about manifestation which you guys know I'm so passionate about it and it has changed my life what I realized after doing it for a while was that it was way more about what was happening inside of me and to me than it was about my external reality. Although I was seeing such shifts in my external reality that were so exciting and amazing and magical. Uh, But he really dives deeper into the science behind how we think and how that actually creates our reality and how to change yourself and how you think and how you feel and how you vibrate in order to create better in your life and goes a lot into understanding how to tap into our subconscious mind which is 95% of our brain and what we're manifesting from and how to really shift that in a much more powerful and quick way Um, and it's just yeah understanding all of this better has been really really awesome and transformative as well as doing his meditations because meditation is kind of the his main way that he teaches to rewire the subconscious quicker and more powerfully so that's why there was such a focus on meditation at the retreat and 
yeah, I just got so much out of that and this book. So if you are, yeah, looking to expand your understanding on any of this stuff, manifestation, meditation, or just don't even understand or believe in the whole like, oh, your thoughts create your reality thing. Like they, you'll get the literal step-by-step breakdown of how scientifically they actually do, which I found really helpful for just believing more in this work. So yeah. This week's guest is Candace Horbox, and she is quite the incredible woman. She is a former adult entertainment star. While also being a multi-hyphenate entrepreneur, she has businesses in the production space, the Web3 space, the wellness space. She organizes spiritual retreats. She's a mom. She's a wife. She has her own podcast. She's just, yeah, so multifaceted and that actually is something she's incredibly passionate about because she was put in a box for a lot of her life and now she really wants to inspire and empower women to think independently and to truly explore and own who they are and not let others put them in a box. So we had a really great conversation on that as well as things related to that, relationships. She has a lot of wisdom from her relationship with her husband and just how that's helped her own healing journey and yeah it was she had a very refreshing take on a lot of subjects that I really appreciated so I hope you guys really enjoy the conversation and her inspiring story and all the wisdom that she shares. Welcome to the podcast Candice. Thank you for having me. Yeah I'm so excited for our conversation. I was really excited when I read all about you and what you've been doing. You have such a beautiful multifaceted story. Yeah, it's um I always feel like the when I read my own pitch to a podcast, it sounds like a made up person because there's just so many random facets and like this evolution of a person and it's like how can one all these things exist in one container? Um so I'm really curious about what people's initial feedback is when they read it. Yeah, to to be honest, I actually really loved reading that because I feel like I've lived like so many different lives and I sometimes tell people my story and they're like, oh my gosh, you've lived a lot of lives. I used to be a pianist. Um, I studied pre-law, was going to be a lawyer, um, used to be, am now this digital influencer who was doing fashion and beauty and now it's shifted to mindset, manifestation. So I think I loved that because I think that's something I really had to work hard to give myself permission to do was to evolve and shift even in really drastic ways when people can sometimes and it sounds like you've experienced this too. They kind of like to put you in a box because then they can like make sense of you. Right. Yeah. We try to oversimplify everything, including people. And I think that's just our brain's evolution and how it works. But to me, that just shows a well-rounded individual who's following curiosities and doesn't want to settle and is just really trying to find their their mission and their authentic self. So I always appreciate when I find a kindred spirit or someone who's just exploring the world and exploring themselves at a really deep level and not just, you know, following the the rhythms and checking off every single box. And this is, this means I'm a good woman. I'm a good wife. I'm a good mother. I have to get my nine to five job. I have to get my degree. It's like, no, I can go explore the world around me and really find what lights me up. And then that's the path that I can forge. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it kind of comes down to realizing how important living in alignment and being in alignment with yourself is, Mm -hmm. which we're just, absolutely. we're not really taught that we're kind of taught to do what everybody else is doing and follow the path that is, you know, normal in our society. 
Well, that's the thing. I mean, if you want to even get into education, that's the thing that really riles me up and and has me kind of focused on that a lot in my life right now is is education. I've got two little ones and one of them is about to enter school. Like he's in a pre-K right now, but um, we were touring some schools locally. And the idea, the problem with a lot of these private schools is it does just that. I think even more to a drastic degree than public schools, which it tries to kind of beat out the individuality out of you. So you're wearing uniforms, you have to stand in a line. We're all learning the same thing at the exact same pace and you better keep up. And that doesn't honor our individuality. It doesn't honor that idea of remaining curious and following that curiosity. And then hopefully that curiosity aligns with a talent or a, a natural skill. And then you can build upon that. And then that's how you find something that you that lights you up to go to work every day and isn't this soul sucking job that's just one on, of many on a conveyor belt. So um, it starts super young. And unfortunately, I think for a lot of people in our generation is we didn't have a lot of these resources or our parents weren't thinking about things in this way. You know, they were busy trying to do their job and um, and show up the best that they could. But now I think with, with all the access to information and education that we have as parents, it's like, how can I do better for my kid? How can I make the next generation a little bit better, lighter, more enlightened? Um, and it, it comes down to like not crushing that individuality out the gate, which I think a lot of people do. So um, yeah, it's just, it's recognizing what you're interested in and then also where that crossover comes into with, with your natural skill and talent. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like we haven't quite found that balance anymore. Cause I, I've done a lot of work, like rec reconciling things with my parents where it's like, they loved me to death. They did their absolute best, but they were raised, you know, by parents when there was a war going on. And there was a lot of things that were kind of in survival. And like the thought of like figuring out your life's purpose was probably a little bit on the back burner <laughs> to like <laughs> not die. But now we have this beautiful freedom and space to explore these things because we are living in a less at least less violent compared to being in a war world and we have this privilege and I feel like where's that balance between we need community but we also really need to be individuals and fully express ourselves and step into who we were meant to be and not have this like herd mentality mm -hmm. yeah it's tough I think um I think you have to start with yourself. I think so often we skip that step. So we try to automatically jump to the most uh, utopian version of what society should look like or altruism and we totally forget ourselves. and we almost look at that as being selfish. But if you don't take care of yourself first, like there's no way that you have the tools that you need to be able to take to scale that out and to help other people. And again, if you're not really focused on yourself or really learning who you are, how are you going to solve all of these really complex problems and, um, you know, ones that you might assume like governments or these big corporations should be solving and somehow you have insight that no one else has. It's kind of egotistical. So I think you start with yourself and I don't think that that makes it selfish. And I think through that, you can always find a way of contribution. So whatever your skill set is or whatever your passion is, is take that. And once you kind of master it, you can scale that out and then find a way that you know, either bring someone else up um, through like scholarships or you get involved um, with charities locally and then globally, but you have to start small. And I think so often it's very romantic to look at the very big issues going on in our communities or the world and you want to start there. And I think some of us maybe do that as a distractment because we kind of deeply know we can't 
make a big change at that level. So it's not, there's no opportunity for failure. Whereas if we're starting small, there's a huge opportunity for failure. So I think it's also um, running away from that discomfort. So you have to be willing to like put in the work with yourself before you can do anything at scale. Totally. Uh, it's kind of funny. I feel like self-care, but for service or self-love for service has been kind of a running theme with so many conversations I've been having lately where it's like, you do need to prioritize yourself, filling your cup. And I think a big part of prioritizing yourself is valuing your passions, like your desires, your passions, they are safe guidance. They are so important. I really believe they're placed in our hearts because they're tied to our purpose. And when we do prioritize ourselves, we're taking care of ourselves, we're filling our cup, we're following what really lights us up we end up making such a big impact in the people in our community, our day-to-day lives. And then oftentimes on a much larger scale. Absolutely. And I think when it comes to self-love and fulfilling your cup and all of these things that we kind of hear that are um, really popular right now, I think a lot of them are missing the work aspect or leaning into that discomfort or the, kind of like looking at the darker parts of yourself that need to grow. And it's more just like, I'm going to take a bubble bath and get a massage and eat clean and go do yoga and that's self-love. And sure, those are all elements of it, but it's also what parts of my personality need to grow, what parts of my soul need to grow, what parts um, of me need to kind of um, evolve past old thinking and old habits and really leaning into that as well. So it's also radical honesty with yourself and areas that you need to be doing better. Oh my gosh. Yes. Cause like <laughs> they help us regulate our nervous system. But then the point of that is so that we can actually, like you're saying, do this work on ourselves, really, truly face the parts of ourselves that are not serving us, but then love them, accept them. And then from there, really be honest and be like, okay, what needs to change so I can really show up as my next level self and serve myself and the world better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a hard process because no one wants to admit that they're not perfect or that they're flawed or that they have jealousy problems or that they have anger problems or shopping problems or whatever it is. We want to kind of always be pointing outwards and try to fix everyone else so that we don't have to fix ourselves. So again, it's just like it circles back to starting with yourself. And I think avoiding the distraction of, of spending all of that energy externally. Yeah. How do you go about meeting those parts of yourself and doing this work and loving yourself into change? Um, so that's interesting. I think part of it is that self-awareness for the most part has not been my issue. I, I've kind of always known my flaws and I've actively kind of chosen to ignore them for a lot of my life. And then I was fortunate enough to meet my now husband who is brave enough and honest enough and true enough to kind of point out things that he maybe doesn't like or didn't like. And in honoring himself would say, I love you, but if we don't iron out these things, this isn't going to be a healthy relationship and I can't be in a relationship that's not healthy for me. So um, anger was like a really big issue for me and so was jealousy, ironically. And I mean, that was years and years of undoing. I mean, it was modeling that I had had. It was a very traumatic childhood and these aren't excuses. It's just kind of painting the picture that to make it make sense because I do believe at some point we're all 
100% accountable for how we show up and how we treat other people. So you could have all of this trauma and you could have been a victim or whatever it is, but at some point you are an adult and you do have the choice to show up how you want to show up. So I think for a lot of my young adulthood was just like living in this righteous anger. Like I had been so deeply wronged by so many people and abandoned by, you know, like my dad and people that I really cared about and that should have been there to kind of nurture me and show me these things like unconditional love. Um, And I justified my behavior that way. And at some point, again, you, whether you realize it or someone else kind of needs to point it out and shine a light on it, it's like you, you don't get to behave this way and you don't get to treat people this way and you deserve better, honestly. Like you don't deserve to be in this constant flight or fight state. That's not good for you. That's going to lead to you getting sick. It's going to lead to um, you losing out on a lot of opportunities and not kind of creating the life that you, that you want in your head and like the best version of yourself wants for you in your head. Um, So, I mean, it's a long road and I think everyone has to kind of approach it differently. So for me, it's being really mindful of what you're consuming as far as digital content. So aligning your, um, your feed with things that inspire you that aren't invoking envy or greed or, um, like making you filled with outrage. Like that's huge right now. There's this massive outrage economy and it's like how, hyperbolic can I be as a digital creator to get more followers maybe don't support that maybe follow people that are more calming and trying to like bring out the best in you um reading is huge I was reading some statistics and it's like 90 percent of people don't read a whole book in a year I might need to fact check that but it was like an absurd number um so start reading like anything just start reading and as a habit and then start picking up books that are on um ideas that challenge you or interest you, whether it's in spirituality, personal development, business, just something that's kind of challenging you to grow and, and, um, and just be a little bit like the more of the 2.0 version of yourself. Um, I think mentors are fabulous if you're able to afford one or to be able to find one. There's a lot of people online that have great mentorship programs and you can find them through different programs people are doing psychedelics now but again we tread cautiously because there's no like it's not regulated so you need to be very careful of who's facilitating like there's so many means to get to the same end point but i think the commonality between them is leaning into discomfort and having that radical honesty with your within yourself and not blaming i think getting rid of blame is also huge so total accountability it's like i could have had the most horrific childhood you know imaginable but at the end of the day i'm responsible and i think that's step one is just radical honesty in that department i totally relate to that i really got into psychology and mindset and all of that stuff for a while especially psychology because it helped me understand where all of these things that i wasn't loving about myself were coming from and it it's such a kind of permission slip it can be where you <laughs> you're like, I make sense. There's a reason why I am this way. But you're so right that then after, after you kind of get to that point, you need to then, yeah, still do the work. Hopefully the understanding where these things come from helps you love and forgive yourself for them, but you can't, that's not where you want to stop. And I love that you said you deserve better because I think that's where it has finally gotten to for me. I'm doing these things because I love myself and I I see the consequences of the things that I do that aren't my next level self or my highest self. I see the way it hurts myself. It hurts other people. It doesn't get me to 
my dreams, my goals, create the life that I know I could have. And it kind of, yeah, comes down to at the end of the day, are you willing to, to do these things for yourself? And I think that when you take shame and blame out of the equation, that's, that's kind of how you can get there. Yeah, 100%. I think that I don't, I haven't found a good case study for for blame particularly like I feel like in in a moment that might make you feel more at peace but I don't know that it's necessarily useful um shame I think there's smaller use cases where you can say okay for if you scale that out shame is there for the collective and it kind of creates more acceptable behaviors you know for society creating like a better average for you know gendered roles and whatever it is um but like internally i don't think that that serves you either it's just the, an easy way to start ruminating on things and then kind of get stuck and then not be able to um, kind of take yourself outside of that situation or outside of that emotional frequency in order to to elevate so if you're constantly stuck and i'm such a bad person or i've got all these anger issues i need to lose 10 pounds whatever your rumination is it's hard to get out of that and then actually do the thing you need to do to, to facilitate the change if that makes sense totally and i think yeah, I think what you're saying with external shame, it's, I think it, the only time I think it actually is helpful is like you're saying in general, when people are doing bad things, because they're not actually working on, like if they were actually aligned to themselves and doing the work themselves, they probably wouldn't be doing these things that, you know, needed to be called out in the first place. So it kind of maybe is a wake up call to these people to help them understand like, oh, okay, like this is not okay. Why am I doing this? I need to not do this. Right. Like if you're if you're making your living by, you know, swindling old ladies and and stealing and cheating, there's there is some shame involved in that from the outside and that's useful shame because we don't want that behavior perpetuated at scale. So, examples like that it makes sense. So, I don't think it's inherently a bad um bad feeling vibration whatever you want to get into, but I do think that it's useful externally, but what if you, again, inside, I'm like, well, what's that for? And maybe, maybe it could be for the same thing, introspective purposes. And you're like, okay, why do I feel this thing this way about this action or this behavior? And maybe sit there and break it down to first, first principles and then see if it actually aligns with who you want to be. Um, and then is that my, is that representative of my highest self or is this shameful feeling because someone told me I'm supposed to feel this way and I've never really checked or challenged that. So, I mean, it could be used for introspection, but I wouldn't hang out there for too long. Right. Yeah. It, it's a call to ask yourself, why is this happening? I'm out of alignment, but then be released so we can, we can love ourselves and work on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually, I, so I was working with, I've got this spiritual um, teacher and mentor and one of my homework assignments for this week is I had to make uh, a list of a hundred things that I liked about myself and doing this exercise makes you realize how mean you are to yourself and how awful that little you know, voice in your head, that little ego inside of your head is to you and how often you confuse that with your own self like that you are not that voice because you're hearing that voice right so it's it's something else what is it i don't really know um but it's fucking mean and it's this little monster and surprisingly coming up with a list of 100 things for me is really challenging like i'm at, i'm stuck at 35 right now um wow and it's like how how sad is that right and i i wonder how many people 
would think a hundred is easy or yeah, I can do that, but then take a pen to paper and you're like, wait, what else do I have? Who else am I? What else is good? Um, so for me, that's been really challenging and also interesting. I love that. That's actually something that I just mentioned on my last podcast. I've been trying to write down things that I love about myself and build this like actually true intimate relationship with myself because I've been thinking about my relationship with others and I'm the first person to compliment them or see the good in them and see how they are just beautiful and wonderful and celebrate that in them. And I didn't do that for myself most of my life. And I was like, I wonder what would happen if I started doing that with myself. Um, and it's been, I've cried a lot because it's, it's like almost jarring to talk to yourself that way and imagine giving that loving kindness to yourself in the way that you give it to others, but it's been so healing, but to mm -hmm. your point, it's, it's not natural, which is so sad. No, it's not natural at all. Writing this list feels extremely foreign and almost like, are you sure before you write down that word, like, are you sure you're kind? Are you sure that you're creative, right? So even as you're doing this exercise, you're still trying to convince yourself that you're not good enough or you're not lovable or you're not whatever it is that you're writing down. So it's, it's really fascinating and um, it brings to light just like a lot of, I guess, personal shortcomings as far as being able to truly love and accept yourself because they say you can only love someone else as much as you love yourself, like that depth is equal. So if my limit to my self-love is only if I have a flat stomach, well, that's a really short ceiling. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? So, and that, and that translates and you might say, no, it's not. I, I know that I love my, my mom more than that. I know that I love my husband more than that. It's like, I would challenge you otherwise. So if you really are that mean to yourself, there's no way that you have the capability to truly, to truly extend that out to someone else. Yeah. It's so interesting how our relationship with others can be mirrors um, to what's going on inside of us and kind of vice versa. We can look at how connected we are to ourselves to realize how much we're able to really connect with others. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's always so interesting. And I've noticed that when I am judging other people, I realize I'm usually, I usually judge myself for that same thing. And right. to your point, the more I've poured love into myself and really held space for myself and seen myself and met myself and gotten to know myself better, I feel like I've been able to do that more with other people. It's yeah, it's really cool. No, it really is. And I, I would say for me personally, the, the way that I can kind of um, gauge where I'm at with myself and the level of intimacy that I have with myself is when I'm with my husband. So I might think that you know, I know I have gone as deep as I possibly can. I know Candace inside and out, but then when I'm being intimate with him, I'm like, wait, no, there's like still something here. Like there's still some, there's still some reservations. There's still some places where I'm um, like contracting and not surrendering and not just being completely present in the moment. And I'm being self-conscious about X, Y, or Z. And then to me, that's like, okay, well, that means that I need to go deeper within myself and that I need to also go deeper with him. And it's kind of like an exact parallel. So where I find my discomforts alone, they just kind of get more obvious when I have him there. So again, like that mirror, it's a super useful tool, which is why I'm not the biggest fan of um, 
people saying like, I'm taking a year off and I'm just going to work on myself. Well, that's, that sounds great, but people provide feedback. So if you're just like doing your own thing and you're not going out there in the world and you're not having these exchanges with people, and I'm not saying go sleep around or anything like that, but like you should be dating and you should be, um, like meeting new people and seeing your friends like it's not this isolation for some reason that we've prescribed as a solution to heartbreak i think actually does more damage than good because you're not getting that necessary feedback wow (laughs) my mind is blown because this is literally my boyfriend and i have been going through a lot relationally right now but we're also kind of he's starting a brand new career i'm i've been making this huge new pivot in my career Um, And we both have had a lot of things come up personally that we've realized we need to do a lot of work on. And we have a lot of work still that we need to do on ourselves for our healing journey. And we've been kind of trying to figure out, like, can we do this in relationship? Do we need to kind of do it on our own? And I feel like there's this whole stigma in society where it's like, you need to be completely single and completely alone for a long period of time to actually be able to heal and do the work on yourself and be ready to be in relationship again. And it feels very black and white. And I'm like, but, but we don't just like stop working on ourselves and stop healing once we get back into relationship. So (laughs) how have, yeah, I guess I'd love to hear your thoughts on this and maybe how you are balancing really being independent, your own person doing your own work, while being attached to and with another human. So I think, and this is just based off of, you know, my own anecdotal experience, but I feel like a healthy relationship is interdependent. It looks kind of like a Venn diagram. So you still have two individual circles, but there's definitely an overlap in the middle. And that overlap is, is very important. And then you have codependence where it looks like one circle. Like there is no individual. It's just the, it's the couples that you've met that are like, we, 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 and it's like, okay, well, where's you in the we? Um, so I think it's really important that you you help grow and honor yourself as an individual as an individual, but you also are obviously investing in that relationship and who you are in that relationship. But like Candace, like we all have like these different hats that we wear, and my husband does like a way better job at describing this. Um, but it's like, yeah, I'm I'm a mom, but I'm not always a mom. Like right now, I'm not. A mom right my kids in school the other one is napping downstairs with the nanny like i'm not in mom mode um i'm not in wife mode my husband's out of town like i'm in my element like i'm candace i'm podcasting i'm working so you have to have your own hobbies passions dreams goals it doesn't mean that you have to be like this quote boss babe ceo because i think that's also become super toxic in our in our culture oh. um but it, but it is to to keep that individuality alive now it's also don't be so selfish and completely like bulldoze your your partner and say my dreams come first because there is that overlap so it's how can how can we work in tandem to make both of our dreams work how can i support you how do i need you to support me and how can we make sure that we're not neglecting our love because at the end of the day that is what should be paramount right your job could disappear your followers could disappear um you might change career paths all sorts of things can kind of happen so it's like first making the decision is this the person that i want to to be with and if the answer is yes then you do kind of have to prioritize that health like the health of that relationship but it's again it's not neglecting yourself or your dreams and not asking them to do that with theirs either and i see that a lot which is um 
like you you're working too much and sure there's there's always you know boundaries and again there is there is the possibility of um of neglect but it's not like asking your partner to give up on their dreams either so it's like well how can we customize this relationship to make it work for both of us so maybe it is we both are working 40 hours a week but we're gonna have one date night and we both turn off our phones and we maybe read together in front of the fireplace and or we go for a walk or we go to dinner we're connecting on some level that's not just turning on the tv and sitting next to each other because that's not intimacy um so I don't know. I think it's, for example, when my husband and I were kind of going through our rough patch, it was, I did my own work. So I was reading what I needed to read. I was going to different meditation. Um, like there's this one thing and I literally think it saved our marriage. It's called BioCybernaut and it's brainwave training. So essentially it gets you to learn how to put yourself into like an alpha, theta, and in some cases a delta brain brainwave state intentionally, which can, you know, can create creativity, flow, all of these, like there's massive benefits. But throughout that process, um, it's also a little bit mystical and esoteric and you get into a lot of forgiveness work. And it's like the deepest I've ever gone with him or a relationship or myself. And through that process, like we did that together. Um, there was another time where we were kind of doing more like psychedelics were more of the flavor of of healing and introspection that we wanted to do. And we did that separately. So it's not being so codependent that I need him there for the healing or he needs me for the healing. But there there is a benefit in doing some of these things together, whether it's you guys go on a retreat um, or you find like a journaling practice together. Like you have to kind of find your own modality of of that radical honesty with within yourself, I think a third party is usually really beneficial. So whether you get, um, so with like the brain training, like we each had a coach, but at the end of each session, we would do like this canopy room and then everyone would share their experience. So the brainwave training was by yourself, but then the integration was together. So I found that to be super useful. Um, but again, there's like so many different programs that you can do right this year. We're doing fit for service, which is Aubrey Marcus's program. And um, with that, we've done similar things. So with activities, we'll probably pick different groups, but then there's activities that we do together. So it's like growing to together and by yourself, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, no, yeah, completely finding that balance of individuality while being in partnership. How do, you, right. how do you do that? Or are you just tuning into your intuition? How have you found that balance? I think that you have to listen to your gut. So I think you'll know if you're kind of spending too much time in one or the other or if your partner is. And I think you have to be able to um, to voice that as well. Like, so we just had our second baby and that was, I mean, it was hard. I think it was harder than having our first one. Like zero to one was easier than one to two, in my opinion, because now there's like this whole other person that you have to to take care of and put their needs ahead of both of your needs. So now it's just adding another element um, to the mix. It's before it was just like him and I, easy peasy, right? Like babies don't really need a lot, but toddlers do. <laughs> so um, it's me saying like, hey, I feel like you have been just solely focused on our, our son. You haven't seen me, you haven't seen the newborn and I need more attention. Like I need you to show up in X, Y, Z. And then he I, he, I need to trust that when I bring that to him, that he's not gonna deflect, that he's not gonna blame me, that he's gonna have this open space for me to be honest. And then we can say like, okay, 
what do you need from me? And he'll say, yes, like I can do, I can do that. I'm sorry if you feel like I haven't been showing up or whatever it is. Um, but if every time your partner comes to you and you immediately dodge or blame, they're not going to come to you anymore and then you can't solve anything. So I think you just, it's that honesty and it's like listening to your intuition. And I think you'll feel like a balance. Like you're like, okay, well, if we're doing this retreat together, for example, and every single activity I've been glued to his hip because I'm too nervous to, you know, go out and like be in a group of strangers, which is so true for me, then I need to force myself to go out. Like the other day we had this mom's night out and it was this huge group of women and I only know two of them. And I, again, it's huge social anxiety. The only two women I knew canceled. And I was like, ah, I just, I have to go though. I made a commitment. This is me investing in this other, you know, one of these Candace hats that's very important. And I went and my husband was like, I'm so proud of you. And I could have stayed at home and just hung out with him all day. And like, I do that a lot. So it's like, no, I need to go be Candace by myself. Um, so I think, you know, when, whether or not you want to like face it, I think, you know, but um, I think a lot of times we, we lean more into like the selfish side of that bucket. Like we were like, well, my career, this is what I want. It's like, okay, well, you're also trying to build a life together. At least like, I think that's the goal. So if that's the case, are you also watering that garden as well as your own? Yes. I love that example you brought up though, because I feel like that actually is something that has really helped me build self-love and self-trust. It's doing hard things and not just doing something that's hard for the sake of doing something that's hard, but doing things that feel hard, but also, you know, are really aligned and going to help you step into your next level self, help your relationship, help your relationship to yourself. And yeah, usually it doesn't feel comfortable doing those things, but doing those things not only adds the benefits that it's going to add, but it I found personally, it's really helped me with my confidence and love for myself. So there's actually um, this really cool exercise and anyone can do it. Uh, if you don't have a cold plunge, because I know most people don't because they are very expensive, um, it's still going to be a little bit of an, of an investment. But if you have a tub, which most people have a tub, you get enough ice to make an ice bath in the tub. And if you sit in the tub with your partner and you eye gaze and you got to try to hang in there for like three minutes if possible with um, your knees touching if you can, and you eye gaze in this cold plunge, it actually can recreate the neurochemistry of falling in love. And it will hit all three um, types of love. So you have like your familiar, familial love, your romantic love, and then what's the third one? Oh, there's a really good blog post on it um, with Thomas Seeger, and he's like the founder of Morosco Forge, like those big cold plunges. So you can go find his article because he's he knows a lot more than I do on this on this subject. But it's a really good exercise to do, especially if you feel like you're in a rut of any sort, and you can do this really challenging thing together, which I think is so beautiful. And through that process you're reconnecting you're reigniting that spark it's really fun and playful and then at the end you kind of have like this new vigor for the relationship that you might not have had especially if you've been together for a while or if you're going through like a rough patch or something so i think doing hard things together is also super important wow i love that that are you open to sharing about kind of the rough patches you've gone through with your husband has there been times when you guys struggled with intimacy or with communication or yeah, what, what are some of the things you guys have gone through and how did you guys work through that? So I think 
we've been together now for um, like over 12 years. So we've definitely had our fair share of like ups and downs and um, just like re really big hurdles, even self-imposed that we had to kind of figure out. Um, I would say like some of the biggest ones were definitely jealousy and my anger issues and honestly like just me being really selfish and caught in a trap of like my wants and desires especially for my job so I had uh I had just gotten into the adult industry at like like for real like I had I got um I got signed to a contract to a really big studio I wasn't just kind of messing around anymore I had these really big opportunities that were being presented to me and then I was with that came really big paychecks for me at the time a lot of followers I had all of these blue check marks kind of coming into my dms and I was getting all of this attention from people that I was fans of forever like you know growing up and I was like holy cow like they want to take me to dinner like just like feeding this ego and feeding this fake person like Eva doesn't exist but she was the one that was getting all of this validation and so I started to want to be her and not want to be Candace and through that neglecting my relationship neglecting my true self and kind of like throwing my my principles and values out with that it was almost like this like very shiny object was kind of luring me in the wrong direction and and through that um i mean i was i was staying in california and shooting a ton out there and wouldn't be home except for maybe a week at a time so then we're losing that like face-to-face -face intimacy which i think they've done studies and it's if you don't see your partner for two weeks or longer it actually starts to take it's it almost like takes like years off the relationship it's like really hard to connect um so that was happening so that was kind of exacerbating the problem and thank God my husband wasn't just going to like sit there and deal with it. He was like, this isn't working for me. And he would call me out. He's like, where is Candace? This is, this isn't Candace. This isn't the Candace that I love. Um, and I can't, I can't do this. So if this is what you want to do, then that's fine, but I can't be here for it. So I think with that, I don't want to say ultimatum, but just like that reality, it made me kind of like ship ship shape my behavior. I was like, how do I, how do I get out of this? And um, I think like the fear of loss and losing like the only person I truly loved in my life was so like eye opening, and it made me just so embarrassed of my behavior and the idea that I would kind of put these things that I don't really truly value ahead of him was just crazy to me. And then. I mean, steamrolling, that could be my own abandonment issues and, you know, self-sabotage and like push you away to prove how much you really love me. All of these very cliche, but very real things were happening and I was just modeling them. And again, it was just like, wow, I'm not even exercising my free will at this point. Like I am just drifting along through my trauma and all of these decisions and I'm going to end up with the exact life that I am trying to avoid. And that is like being alone and not having anyone that truly values or honors me and all of these things um, and it took that amount of pain to see that um, and to start really focusing on myself and the work that I needed to do and it could have been really simple as me being like you know what like fuck you I want my career all of this money all of this attention um, there's nothing wrong with me it's so easy to just kind of ignore that and not take accountability but like thank god <laughs> I did because um, I don't know where I would be if I had made the wrong decision so um, 
a lot of work with that. I don't even know how to even like get into all of that at like extreme detail, but um, yeah, it, it eventually led to like that bio cyber dot training that we did, which if anyone has the means, cause it's also really expensive. It is life-changing, like insanely life-changing. Wow. I love that. I, it sounds like you were able to clearly identify that who you were becoming and where you were going with things was not in alignment. So it's not that you were giving up all of these things to not be alone or to keep somebody. You realize that the things that you were chasing were really not who you were and wanted to be and what you valued. And so that was kind of the difference. Right. right. There was like a healthy way to go about it. Like, so I still was in the industry. It wasn't like he made me quit shooting. Like that didn't happen. I was still traveling for work. Like by no means was he like this or that. It was like the way that I was doing it and the energy that I was doing it wasn't what it wasn't pure. It wasn't like the right reasons. Um, I had no clarity on like a lot of things. And then through that process, I was like, okay, well, how do I want to operate within this industry? And I think honestly, a lot of my success is probably attributed to that because I wasn't lost in all of the chaos. Like I was very strategic going in and able to kind of um, compartmentalize for better or for worse, you know, certain like that part of me, you know what I mean? Cause I think it's the problem is when it comes down to like, who am I and my identity that gets so much more, confusing when you literally do have an alter ego i think we all struggle with that like who is the real me and like to really break that down what is culture what is programming you know all of these layers that we have what is ego um but when you quite literally have an alter ego (laughs) you times that by two especially when the world thinks the other one is the real one and doesn't even acknowledge you like your true self so it gets, it gets really complicated and it can get like very murky. But again, like I'm just so grateful that I was able to kind of see that with a lot of his help. Yeah. And it sounds like it comes back to your relationship to you, to Candace, and being in alignment with who you really are deep down. Right. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that. Speaking of your industry, I would love to hear your thoughts on how you have truly stepped into embracing your sexuality as a woman to releasing any shame around that. I feel like there's still a lot of shame or confusion around sexuality, especially for women. And obviously there is, you know, women who are coming from this wounded place where they're hypersexualizing themselves and dressing a certain way to get love instead of knowing they are enough already and then embracing their sexuality from there. But I still feel like it's it's not fully celebrated yet, but it is such an important part of who we are as women and such a beautiful gift of life, sex and sexuality. Yeah, I mean, we there's still like this lingering puritanical shame when it comes to women and and owning our sexuality. Like we are fiercely powerful in that regard, and sexuality is quite literally the energy of creation. Like you. It, through that you can literally create life and to me like that's all in the woman like the man's there and that's great and you know I don't think anyone is really challenging what you know male sexuality looks like like that's applauded no matter what but with women we still have all of these stigmas and if you break it down I mean you can argue for it all day I just want you to 
to consciously make your own decision of what your healthy sexual expression looks like. I think so many of us default to, um, you know, just monogamy. We fall, default to only if we've been dating or only if we're married. Like women are not allowed to experience pleasure unless it's in a very tight box where men have a lot more freedom when it comes to it and you know there are certain social consequences or like biological consequences right like the consequence of getting pregnant is very steep so maybe naturally we've always been a little bit more reserved because then you know back in the day like being pregnant for nine months you are more likely to get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger and you you know all of these things (laughs) but but you have to be able to evolve and look at it with nuance and say sure maybe that served us before but now they're now I can kind of track my cycle, whether it's through an app, whether I decide to do birth control, whether I used to uh, choose to use protection. You have all of these modalities to be in charge of, you know, um, your reproductive health. So there's, you know, a, take that out of the mix. Um, you can say, well, men don't like it because historically they wouldn't know if it was their baby. And then how would they know? Um, if they should invest in that woman again like we have all of these technological advances that that's no longer a thing so are you going to consciously make a decision of how you want to approach sexuality or do you want like thousands of years of evolution to make it for you Um, I learned something really fascinating the other day so this doctor had sent uh, she sent me her book she's like trying to do like little podcast tour right now Um, it's like Dr. Jolene I can't think of her last name right now um but a woman's clitoris will actually atrophy. Like it will atrophy to the point where you can no longer climax if you don't use it. So that's horrifying. That's scary, yeah. But we don't tell women this. We're like, no, you are supposed to not use it unless it's for approved reasons with an approved partner. And that's nonsense. Like that's, you know what I mean? That's like your body is literally telling you if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. So that's that's just something to kind of like stick in a feather in your cap. Um, I love that. Great information. I did not know that. Yes. (laughs) Make sure you're not (laughs) neglecting that part of your body. It's, it is vital. I think also when it comes down to sexuality and like this idea of hypersexuality and maybe dressing in very provocative ways, I think it goes kind of back to something we touched on earlier, which is like, there's multiple ways to do the same thing. So knowing your why there's a a light version and a dark version of doing something so if you're doing something to mask like hurt or pain or try to gain love like those maybe you want to sit with and, and get down to the bottom of it and maybe explore explore ways to like heal or get what you need that aren't going to put you in a vulnerable or compromising situation where you're sleeping with someone who quite literally is not capable of giving you love because you just met. Um, so like more damaging, right? So like if love is what you want, what are, how can I get love? What are the steps that I can do? Right. And that's establishing some kind of like real intimacy with someone, not something that's just like for pleasure now if you are like no i'm gonna own my pleasure and i really am attracted to this guy i just met and i just want to like climb him like this tall tree then (laughs) like go for it absolutely but it's like knowing your why and i think a lot of us make decisions from a broken place and then we wonder why we're not healing so it's not to shame sexuality or to say like there's hypersexuality or anything like that it's just like knowing your why and being honest with yourself about that um 
And I think if you're doing it in a safe, consensual way, I don't understand. I don't understand the issue. I really don't. And I think a lot of the um, outrage, especially with some of the feminists on Twitter, because they get really riled up. It's like we're not sharing their outrage. So they almost see us as um, like betraying our gender. Like we're betraying women because we also don't think in lockstep with them and sexuality is like that gradient of expression is just so wide that you get to decide what that looks like for you and just because it looks one way for you doesn't mean that that's the right and authentic fit for somebody else so i think that's also part of it too isn't like you know fully owning your own like what makes you happy what gets you excited and what do you want to do with your body and that's no one else's business to me at the end of the day and through my work it's kind of highlighted how much I challenge people's idea of what that's supposed to look like, especially for a woman, you know, like I'm married, I have two children. Um, like I'm a, just like a, you would never know, right. I look like the girl next door going around. You would never know my career. Um, so I think just that challenges a lot of people's preconceived notions of what like a more sexually liberated person is or does like they think that you're never going to get married you're never going to have children you're unlovable um your body counts too high all of these like stupid ridiculous things that boys say not men but like boys say and boys ascribe value to um but yeah, yeah i mean i realized like i do i love sex i love being desired that's um that really makes me feel energized and alive and playful and it's not coming from a broken place it's like no this is like goddess energy that i'm channeling and i love it and i'm i'm sorry if you don't um but i have a man that loves me and loves my expression and that's all that really matters so i think it's just coming to grips with what you want and sitting with that and playing around with it right like you can always evolve it it's not like you have a one night stand now you're forever a whore and you have a a red a that's per like stitched onto every piece of garment that you have right like you can change your mind yeah well it came to me as you were saying all of this we put speaking of boxes we put women in a box based off of their sexuality and their sexual decisions right yeah it's like okay if you've slept with more than three people you're now a whore <laughs> right like here you will never be no man no respectable man is ever going to want to marry you well why aren't we having that conversation with men yeah (laughs) right like someone there was this picture um going because like there's like oh well she's loose well that's also not even that's literally not even true so um to counter that they've done studies and basically (laughs) women that do sleep with like different sized penises like more than like one woman who's just with one guy forever and that's it it's kind of like dumbbells so you're like working out with different weights so (laughs) it, it does not affect the elasticity of your vagina at all if anything it actually makes it tighter um but there was this image going around twitter and it was like this shriveled up hot dog and it was like listen men this is what happens if you have sex outside of marriage. It's going to shrivel up what? and get small and and no woman will ever want to marry you. Save your hot, like your hot dog for marriage. And it was like this joke because for so long, like you say that to women. It's like, oh, look how ridiculous okay. this is if you reverse it, right? It's just absurd. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It totally is. And 
did you ever feel shame about your sexuality? Was this ever something that you were shamed for, something that's been hard for you that you've overcame, or you feel like you've kind of always felt this way and known these things and kind of have been advocating for this view? So I definitely have people that try to shame me and since the beginning always have. Um, I would it was it's funny in the beginning it really never bothered me it took a long time for it to but I think the more serious my relationship got with my now husband and seeing there were consequences of those actions like he's lost business deals because of it um, like certain people won't even talk like talk to him in certain industries because he's dared to be married to me like he's not in the industry never has been but he like dared to fall in love and marry a porn star um so that's always interesting and then now that i have kids i definitely have a lot of anxiety because i do know like not everyone is accepting of me my choices that industry um and i you know unfortunately it's not me that has to pay that price it's going to be my kids at some level and that sucks like that breaks my heart and i'm constantly trying to like play it out in my mind so I can like have a plan. But the truth is, is I have no idea what that's going to look like when it happens. And it's really not about me. It's me challenging, you know, that person's identity with, um, with sexuality. And the more like cruel they are, the more it's triggering them. There's nothing I can do to convince them otherwise. So it's at some point, I kind of just have to like let go and, wait for it to happen right like there's that stoic adage that is we suffer more in our mind than we do in reality um because we create all of these situations that most of them don't even happen That's so true. I, I need to follow my own advice or you know like this age-old wisdom that i know to be true but it's very hard to to like feel it it's one thing to you know articulate it and intellectualize it but to actually embody it is very difficult yeah I honestly, hearing you talk about this, I'm like, how cool is it that your sons are going to grow up with a woman who is so passionately and radically committed to being her truest, most authentic self and embracing all of her and not letting other people put her in a box and shame her for doing that. So I don't know if that'll encourage you, but like, that's such a cool example to set for them, especially as men. Hopefully they will not Thank you. step into their most authentic self and, you know, embody who they really are and not let other people sway them for that from that. But hopefully they'll also treat women that way and allow women to step into their fullest feminine expression and most authentic selves. Oh, totally. I, they have like an incredible father to to model for them. So I'm I'm not worried at all. I think when it comes down to shame too, and like people not not i guess like going with the exact um plan that society has laid out for you again it goes back to to kids think of how free most children are like until they're broken right like how they each kind of it's wild so my kid my oldest is three and if you go into his classroom each little three-year-old is so uniquely them like not there there is zero conformity each one of them has like the most awesome little personality and like their own quirks and like my son is 
he lights up with music. Music is the thing that makes him the happiest, and so is dancing. And like, as you can probably imagine, his three-year-old dance moves are a bit ridiculous, but I love them, and I love it for him. And he will be in the middle of like a crowded supermarket, and he'll be like, look at my moves, and then start break dancing on the floor. And I'm like, I just love him so much, my heart could burst. And it horrifies me to think of the day where there's one kid that tells him he sucks at dancing or he can't dance because he's not dancing in the way that's approved dancing and how often do we do that to each other and it's just it's heartbreaking to me and it's I hope that if anything that for my kids I can just say like no don't let anyone else like blow out your candle right like you might not move how people want you to move you might not behave how people want you to behave but if it's in alignment with who you are then that's beautiful and I support you 100 percent yeah I love that and it kind of goes back to some other things we were saying during the conversation conversation like a lot of these things have more to do with people's perception of themselves and their own shame and they're judging themselves for these things so then it's easier to deflect and judge other people as well as just they're scared to break outside the box they're scared to truly be themselves and do what they want to do and so you're scaring them you're confronting them and challenging them right because i mean it's it's a risk to yourself so if you're not in a herd right if you're not in the center of that herd if you are completely by yourself and you are like this rainbow colored zebra then that's a very vulnerable place to be right if there's a threat you're going to be the first one picked off so i think that's kind of where it comes from and it's like whoa um they they're not scared they're not checking the temperature and now that's a risk to me somehow it's like challenging your own sense of safety and trying to like take the floor out from under you when it's really not it's like you're operating from this sense of survival and it's almost like you're mad that someone else isn't yes yeah and i was chatting with a friend about jealousy it's like seeing somebody else with something that you want should be an invitation to be excited to go manifest it for yourself but a lot of people are so limited and don't realize they can have these things for themselves. And so they are, like you're saying, challenged by it and intimidated by it. Yeah, one of my friends says that jealousy is a lack of imagination for your your future self. So instead of getting excited and saying, I can have that too, it's, well, that must be nice. You know, yeah. it's like, it's that resentment. I love that. Well, I love that you are being such a light for other women. And I feel like that it's so inspiring and it's it, it's so inspiring. It inspires me. And I know you're inspiring and empowering so many other women to truly be their truest, most authentic self, embrace all parts of themselves, including their divine femininity and sexuality. And uh, I just want to thank you for sharing all of your, your wisdom, your story, your insights today with us. Oh, thank you. This was amazing. And yeah, I hope that like the biggest takeaway is that there's nothing wrong with you and you know honoring your authentic self and sexuality is perfectly healthy and normal and however you want to express that is beautiful um and and play right like always play yeah and and always come back to alignment to yourself i feel like that was another key theme that you were just coming back to is if you keep going back to connecting to yourself who are you what do you value and then making decisions and living from that which is just beautiful and and so empowering. Yeah, and if anyone does that ice bath thing, tag me because I want to see it. (laughs) I know, I definitely will if I try it.
Uh, all right. Well, where can people find you if they would like to check you out? So you can go to chattingwithcandice.com. That has my podcast. It also has all of my Candice socials. Um, or you could also follow my alter ego and like the small spaces that she still exists. You can go to Twitter and that's fall in Lovia and Instagram is just Eva Lovia. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I hope you have a beautiful rest of your week here. You too. Thank you.